Hello Paywall Podcast listeners. So with Health Awareness Month upon us, I felt this would probably be a really good time to release this pod. It's with Harry Kalimnios, author of the thought-jarring books The Thought Gym and Working Well. In payroll and HR, in fact across all professions of industry, many employees right now are working under too much levels of stress. Today you will hear about a number of strategies, advice and of course practical steps that you can implement right now to improve your own wellness. Harry wants you to be able to unlock your inner superhuman and be what he calls on point. That's mentally, physically, emotionally and spiritually so you can be the best payroller, leader, entrepreneur, employee, colleague, parent, friend that you can be. To do this, Harry shows you how first you need to become the master of yourself. I hope you enjoy this pod and if you do, please, please share it and review it. This is a niche podcast for, as you know, a very niche profession. So any support you can provide is always hugely appreciated. Right, that's enough for me. On with the pod. Enjoy. Welcome to the Payroll Podcast with your host, Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, Specialist Payroll Recruiters. Hello and welcome to the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day from James Gray Associates. Today I'm very excited to be joined by Harry Kalimnios. He's a good friend of mine, someone I've known for almost a decade. I actually met Harry following a request I made on social media, or pre-social media, the days of email, uh, almost 10 years ago to see if anyone was interested in joining me for a cycle trip from London to Paris. A friend of a friend of a friend passed the email on to Harry and uh, eventually I met him on the start line. Since then, Harry and I have cycled most of Europe together covering about 4,000 kilometers in the process. And every year we meet up for our annual trip, Harry is able to educate me on various matters of nutrition, well-being, sleep, and something he calls becoming superhuman. Harry is one of those amazing people who actually took a risk himself by leaving the corporate world to take on his ambition of becoming a speaker and someone who can help others in the world of health, happiness, and well-being. Now, Harry has since become one of the UK's most respected voices on the subject of well-being. He is an author of two books and you'll regularly find him speaking to a number of corporate clients on issues ranging from sleep through to, to well-being. Harry is a successful coach and speaker, founder and author of The Thought Gym, a unique training series which helps people to achieve a life of high performance and become superhuman. He also consults, writes and speaks on mindset and resilience. And I really wanted to speak to Harry today because I think as our lives get busier and busier, boundaries between work and leisure can blur. And I think this is particularly true for people working in payroll and HR. So, welcome Harry. Thank you, Nick. It is an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Fantastic. Now, we know the format here. If, you, if you're a regular listener, we start with five questions. Five quick questions. Uh, question one for Harry is I would just like him to tell us all a little bit more about his journey from corporate worker to what I would call, I guess, a well-being mentor. Yeah, so I actually spent over a decade working in the city, originally starting out working in law as a paralegal and IT administrator, if you like, but then worked for Accenture and I was at the stock exchange working for Accenture. So I actually spent six years in London Stock Exchange. I went through that whole financial crisis 2008 and after a couple of years, different management came in, they started making lots of redundancies 
And I didn't get made redundant, although my entire team did get made, made redundant. They did want to keep me. Only thing is that I thought for a long time I was just waiting for this sign from somewhere to tell me what to do with my life. And the truth is, it doesn't really ever appear. But I thought if, if ever there was a time, it was this opportunity to maybe go for redundancy. And I got really interested in concepts around personal development, mindset, psychology, but just didn't have the guts to do anything. And so I thought, well, now's the time. And I started getting more involved in really studying other high performers and seeing some amazing people who really challenged my paradigm on what it meant to live well, what it meant to age, what it meant to have disease or reverse disease, uh, have energy. And I wanted to know more. And that effectively was my red pill if you remember the matrix and it sent me down the rabbit hole and onto a journey i know that uh, one of the things that, that developed out of that when you went on your own harry was uh, something called the thought gym which i believe is something that you've coined it's your business can you enlighten listeners a little bit more about what the thought gym is what it involves and yeah tell us more yeah so i realized pretty early on when i started going down this route of personal development and coaching if you like that I wanted to do something around my passion and I was always into, I guess, fitness more so than health. But what I did realise is I had the question, why do so many people fail at doing gym or working out or eating healthier? And it really became very obvious, and maybe it's obvious to your listeners as well, that it all starts with the mindset that you've really got to change the mindset because a lot of people try and go and change behaviours before they change the mindset that drives the behaviour in the first place. So they may join the gym in January, have given up by February. Same thing happens year after year. Uh, We're all victim of these patterns that we have within our lives and it can be really, really challenging to to break out of these patterns. And so I realised that everything starts first with a thought and and changing that is really where, where the key is. So my original tagline was train the mind and the body will follow because once you do that everything else becomes easier so the thought gym was really that brand to talk about mindset and 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 thinking behind it it's kind of since expanded and now i call it mindset nutrition and mindfulness Uh, nutrition yes is a made-up word but it's really about movement and nutrition and it's a very very light version of describing what i talk about but if you were to go to say the thoughtgym.com the website which hosts that you get a free video series of how to, for example, the first video will teach you how to change your habits or the seven-step process that I discovered that everyone needs to go through for habit change. So it's really a whole well-being, brand, philosophy and really starting with the mindset. So a bit of the, uh, I guess it's an old cliche, a healthy mind, healthy body. The thing is, whenever you hear a cliche, you should pay attention. <laughs> Interesting. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Obviously, there were things inhibiting your change initially. And maybe it was the financial crisis that was a trigger initially to, to your particular change. But what are the myths out there or what are the things that might be inhibiting change for perhaps some of the listeners that are, that are listening in? Well, change is simple. It's just not easy. We're creatures of habits. You know, we have our unconscious patterns which inhibit us from doing the things that we know that we should do. Why, where did that suddenly that next box set of Netflix come from when we know we needed to get to bed so we could get up the next day? So we all have these challenges and really people change either through desperation or inspiration. And most of the time it's desperation. For me, I made certain decisions and our life is really a series of decisions that impacted my life up to that point. And then I decided that I wanted to change. And, you know, regardless of the hours that you might work, there's always a case of priority management. Okay, And what is a priority for you? If you make feeling well a priority, for example, you will find time to do it. So I think sometimes the biggest myths uh, that people think change or 
anything in my space, health, wealth, uh, wellness, is that there can be one thing that is going to fix your problem. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about wellness or anything else. People want this magic bullet. We live in this get now culture, pay later. We have done since, I guess, credit cards and convenience food and everything else came into being. And we're, we're sold on this idea that one thing can, can solve your problems, so whether that's business or anywhere else. And the truth is, it, it's not. It's got to be lots of little things done consistently and done well over a long period of time that it's going to change. And if you want to make change, I always say start slow. It's, uh, some people think, oh, I'm all or nothing. I want to, you know, I'm going to cut sugar. I'm going to do this. Some people might maybe like that. But if you look deeper into their story, you'll see that they repeat the same patterns over and over. So my advice in your business or anywhere else is make those changes small, make them incrementally. And then occasionally there are going to be these big leaps because that does happen as well. But I wouldn't start off that way. See, I would argue that one of the biggest change inhibitors is time. Now, particularly within the payroll and HR industry, Payroll and HR professionals will often work well outside the standard hours of 9 to 5.30, especially if there are specific deadlines to be met, such as a payroll deadline or whatever it might be. Subsequently, it's not a surprise to me, and I'm sure those listening to this at the moment, there are many, many payroll and HR people which are underslept, certainly overworked, and could really benefit from being able to, to make some changes to get some well-earned sleep in particular. How much does sleep impact on performance? And are there techniques our listeners can take on board for improving the amount of sleep they get or improving their ability to make change due to lack of time? Absolutely. It makes me laugh for it. Everyone is looking for the latest app or gadget to help improve their productivity in their life. That's me, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, and the simplest and the most effective way to increase your productivity as well as boundless other things, is sleep. We are sleeping on average, I think, two hours less a night than we did in the 1950s. If you sleep less than six hours a night, you're 13% more likelihood of all-cause mortality than someone that sleeps seven to nine hours. It's it's, it's a huge, huge issue. Um, so we know to a certain degree sleep is essential for our health, our well-being, our productivity. There are challenges, of course. We live in the modern world. The invention of the light bulb and more recently things like the smartphone have meant that we've become uh, addicted to light effectively. We don't take light seriously enough. Being exposed to blue light through devices will inhibit melatonin production, which is your sleep hormone. Studies show by 23%, two hours of, of iPad use to dusk is going to inhibit it by 23%. And melatonin is not just used for sleep, but it's like a, a thought to help fight cancer. It helps with your weight management. So we need to try and limit that robbing of our blue light now it's not always practical but some things i would suggest would be definitely have an unwind time where you can take lights away so even if you're working quite late into the night and sometimes i do as well i i tend to limit my blue light exposure by doing a number of different things one of which is wearing blue light blocking glasses which i know that many of your listeners would be like I can't do that. And there's special glasses that block the blue light. And I have to say, I've been wearing them for three years and they're the single best thing for me for getting to sleep. The other thing is you could put certain things onto your laptop, like device free software called Flux, F.L.U.X. They're totally free. That'll start to dim the blue light. But the most important thing I would say is, is give yourself at least 30 minutes, but ideally 90 minutes from your devices before going to bed. I've heard... Um... A tip before, I don't know if you've something you've used at all, Harry, but I heard this, I think, on a different podcast where you can actually set an alarm for when you go to bed rather than when you wake up. And if you set that up with us, you can snooze it once, sort of set it half an hour before you go to bed, snooze it, and then sort of get into your, into your bedtime routine. Uh, is that something that you do or something you've yeah. heard of before? Yeah, it's definitely something I've heard of before for sure. Uh, having an alarm to 
get you to set to sleep. One of the things I use, a phrase I use, is a thing called nine after nine. You must know what nine is in German. I'm going to say, like, embarrass me now. No. It does mean no. So what's that? No what after nine o'clock? So quite simply, when it hits nine o'clock, I start to shut down my laptop. I put my phone onto airplane mode, make sure the lights are dim. I actually stop looking at the time after nine o'clock. In fact, you'll notice in my house, I don't have any, any clocks. I have one little watch that I tend to turn around at nine o'clock. So I don't look at the time and I don't know what the time is. So last night was quite late, for example. I know that I was out until nine o'clock. I was at a, uh, a mass meditation event, 750 people at the British Museum. But I know it was nine o'clock when I left, but I didn't know what time it was to go to bed and I had to get up at six. Now, if you know the time, people say, why do you, why do, you do that? It's like, well, because then what's the last thing that people tend to do before they go to bed? Check the time. They check the time. And then they think, oh, I've got to get up in five hours, I've got to get up in six hours, or oh, I've been trying to sleep for 10 minutes. And it creates more cortisol stress in the system than is necessary. Okay, we shouldn't have cortisol at that time of night. We should have it in the morning, but not at night. And by just having this nine after nine, as silly as it is, when I've done work with corporate clients and I've said this, they've gone, oh, you know, I really remember that nine after nine. And now when I see it's nine o'clock, I go nine after nine, have that closed then. So it's, it's kind of like my bedtime routine at nine o'clock. For those that are listening, you can't see my very red and embarrassed look for not quite knowing the German for nine, I guess correctly, which is good. One last question on this subject, Harry. In terms of productivity, if I turn my computer off an hour early, but I know I've got work to do, but I get that extra hour of sleep that clearly my body needs, and there may not be an answer to this that you know, but is there any statistics or any analysis being played on whether as a result of leaving work early, I'm actually more productive by getting the sleep than I am by completing the task that I was trying to do before I went to bed? Does that make sense? It does, and actually what, what springs to mind is when I do talks on sleep, I do talks on all sorts of well-being subjects, but one stat that I, I tend to use is that of sleep-deprived surgeons that they did a study on. It's not unusual for a surgeon to be sleep-deprived, but what they found is that they made 20% more errors and spent 14% longer doing those tasks. So I, I ask people, well, do you want to make more errors at work, which take you longer to do anyway, so that you can spend even longer at work correcting those errors? Just sometimes there's a time to put down the pen and just say, actually, I'm going to get more benefit by sleeping. In fact, if you sleep less, your memory will become poorer. So I think if you make an error when you're tired, which is very, very prevalent to make errors when you're tired because you have a le- less glucose, the fuel going to the prefrontal cortex, the bit about decision making and logic. Imagine if you make an error and you're doing something on payroll. How much is that going to cost your business? Not just in having to fix it later, but like the actual real cost to the business if you make those errors. Trust me, the consequences far outreach just that having that little bit of sleep. So super important. Make sure that you sleep enough. It's going to be the number one thing and it will probably save your company quite a lot in, uh, in errors, unforced. Well, certainly payroll errors can be very expensive just in terms of uh, the amount of time it takes to, to, to rectify them. But also, you know, if someone's getting paid incorrectly on a regular basis, it's going to affect the morale of that employee. You can have huge, huge ramifications. It could result in effectively staff attrition. If, uh, if you're a CEO or a senior business member who isn't getting paid correctly on a regular basis due to errors being made in the payroll department, then you're going to see you know, company turnover. So I think it's, uh, it's important. And there's also, of course, fines and compliance issues as well around errors. So point very well made. Now, I know you're a big believer 
believer in goals, Harry. If I'm a, a payroll and HR administrator and I have a goal, that goal is perhaps to become a payroll or HR manager in the future. How would you suggest I go about preparing for that type of goal? I think the same way that I would suggest preparing for any any goal. So there is a process and a method to goal setting. There are many different processes. But the first thing I would always say when it comes to goal setting, and, and this process is described in more detail in, in my book, is firstly you've got to decide that whether that's the goal for you and it has to be your decision and not because you feel like your boss or your parents or your husband or your wife think that's for you and you've got to really have a strong reason why you want to go for that that job that promotion assuming that it is a worthy goal it's your goal and you have a strong enough reason why know the action steps foresee some obstacles along the way how are you going to overcome those obstacles and really create a little bit of a a visualization around it so just see yourself becoming the person that you want in that job in that role having that project work well you know you're going to give a big presentation to a bunch of other payroll people at a conference see your successes see the work as well that is going to go into that but see the successes as well time to find out more about you so how would your friends describe you or your work colleagues describe you, Harry? A lot of my friends will say that I'm very disciplined, organised, very boring kind of phrases in a way. But one, one thing I would say is that it's not really about discipline either. Um, a lot of the things I do, people think, oh, you must be really disciplined to like, you know, make your juices and make your smoothies and eat like this. And I was like, it's not discipline. It's not willpower. These things are finite resources. You cannot survive just on willpower and, and discipline alone. It is around changing the mindset. And I just decided that the way I was living was not the way I wanted to live anymore. Um, I love helping people, which is probably why I I do what I'm I'm doing now. And I'm always seeking knowledge, always very active, doing crazy things like cycling around Europe with you. Yeah, so just someone who's always looking to, to push themselves and improve and help others. I should add that Harry is particularly disciplined when we do do these cycle tours all over Europe. He'll only prepare and eat certain foods. So uh, yeah, he's very disciplined in that regard. We take the fun out of him a little bit. Anyway, so question number two. Tell me something about you that perhaps other people won't know about you. Um, I guess is I did um, a 10-day silent meditation retreat around five years ago now. It's called Vipassana. It's actually the kind of meditation that Buddha um, developed uh, two and a half thousand years ago under the under the tree. And it got lost in Burma. And it only really came out of Burma in the 1960s. And it's a quite an intense 10-day period where you spend up to 12 hours a day meditating. And you're not allowed to make eye contact with anyone for those 10 days. You can't talk. Getting up at four o'clock in the morning and effectively meditating pretty much uh, consistently for 12 hours. Sounds tortuous. I guess it emphasises your own characteristic of dedication. It's actually not the answer I thought you were going to give either. The answer I would have given that not many people know about Harry is he also has a first-class degree in physics and astrophysics, which... uh, Uh, If I had that, I'd be telling everybody. So uh, I'll put it out there for you, Harry. Okay, so you are abducted by aliens who want to learn more about our species. What item do you take with you? Well, I think you might have alluded to it on the cycle chart. I'd probably take my Vitamix, make sure that I could uh, <laughs> to make some alien smoothies and see what kind of weird alien fruits and veg they, they've got so that I can, uh, can make some new recipes. Fair enough, fair enough. What game or instrument do you teach them? Maybe a bit boring, but I used to love playing basketball, so I'd probably teach them how to play a bit of basketball. Uh, what would you tell them about humans? That we are a curious species who 
like to spend money we don't have, to impress people we don't like, to uh, feel a certain way based on objects that we really just don't need and won't make us feel that way. Uh, what truth or human trait do you hold back? I guess I would hold back the human trait of, I guess, war and anger and not being compassionate to fellow people. I think that is a, a human trait, which is one that we can definitely hold back. Our, our need for war. Our need for war and our lack of tolerance for each other. Okay, great answer. Five technical questions. So let me begin. In addition to the Thought Gym, you also developed something called the Leadership Beat Model. And I'm hoping it's going to be particularly relevant to those listening to this at the moment. Can you explain what this involves and also the principles of this model and how they potentially could benefit our listeners? Okay, so yeah, this is a big topic. But in my study of high-performing individuals, and I looked at lots of people, uh, I noticed that there were certain characteristics, certain things that all of them were doing. And I adopted those into my own philosophies and my own way of living. And I noticed that my productivity, focus, relationships, energy, everything increased in the right way. And I then discovered that actually everything I did, and I had made hundreds of different changes over the course of a couple of years, uh, that they fell into four main buckets, if you like, four main areas, which is the B, E, A, and T from the leadership beat model. Before I go into what B, E, A, and T is, the reason it's called the leadership beat model is because this model is really all about well-being, health, and energy, because without energy, we can't do anything else. It doesn't matter if you've got the best ideas in the world, you've got the best strategies. If you don't have the energy to execute on them, then you're not going to be successful. And really, if you want to be a leader in the world, and I think everybody is a leader, even if the only person that you lead is yourself, we still need to be our best self-leader. You can only really lead yourself optimally if you're on point, mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, in my mind. And so this this model of leadership is really a model of self-leadership and it's about how do you optimize yourself so that you can feel superhuman and these four categories really are metaphors in a way for what's a bigger piece so in each of these categories you could do five or six phds so very very quickly b and we've talked about it a little bit before is stands for brain and that's really a metaphor for your psychology your mindset understanding the mindset crucial E stands for elements, and that's all about how you nourish your body. So uh, the five elements that I have from ancient Greek culture, and I'm Greek, is air, water, earth, fire, and ether. So air, if you like, is a metaphor for breathing and the importance of breath. Most people don't breathe properly. Water, naturally, is water, but there's a lot more to water than just drink more water. Earth is really a metaphor for the food that you eat from the earth, but also our relationship with the earth. Fire is about our relationship with the sun, being outdoors, getting outside enough, nature. And then ether, which really is that thought to be an imaginary substance that envelops everyone. Maybe if you're a Star Wars fan, it might be the force. It's really all about your environment. So the environment that you put on your body, for example, with the lotions that you put on, uh, but also your physical environment. How does that environment, the physical environment, make you feel? Is it set up for movement? Is it set up for tranquility and feeling calm? So that's B in E. A stands for activity. It's about everything that you do in a day, the people you hang around with. Do you have passion in your life? Do you laugh? Do you play? Do you have a purpose? Okay, so all of the things that you do in a day, uh, that's A. And then T, which a lot of people omit, is for tranquility. So that's all about how you rest, repair, rejuvenate your body. That could be sleep. So B, E, A, and T. And, you know, you ask yourself, are you feeling on or off beat today? If you're feeling off beat, 
where do you need to focus from the B, E, A, and T? And it might be more than one thing. So for me, often, you know, I work sometimes a lot in isolation. So it's like, actually, within A is connection, okay? Within the activity part is connection, human connection. And so many of us are lacking that now. So I need to get out, you know, maybe I go to a co-working space, maybe I go to the gym, maybe I do something to connect with other people because I may have done the sleep, I may have done the exercise right, I may have done, you know, the food right, but I still feel tired or I feel low and that's because I don't have that connection. It's quite nice to hear as well that, you know, even someone who's so widely read and a bit of an expert in this field can still feel low despite, you know, eating the right diet, being healthy, being moving. Actually, you're quite open to admit that actually, you know, you still get low and you're still able to identify areas where you may need to work on to, to, to get back to being on beat, as you would call it. You're a very much in-demand public speaker, Harry, on subjects ranging from sleep to leadership. I know you're even a TEDx speaker as well. How did you get into to corporate public speaking? I wasn't a speaker until maybe a few years ago. I was probably reasonably confident. Uh, 90% of people that go to speaking clubs are scared of public speaking. It's like a biggest fear, even more so than death, which, as I heard Jerry Seinfeld say, makes no sense because it means that a, a, a funeral, the person doing the eulogy would rather be in the coffin than doing the <laughs> eulogy. But I got into public speaking because I went to a talk once and the speaker said, look, if you're going to be a coach or if you're going to have all this knowledge, why speak one to one to everyone? You have to have 20, 30, 50 conversations. If you get the stage, then you can share that with lots of people. And as I started reading all these books and learning all these things, I just felt it was going to be a shame if knowledge died with me. And so I felt it obliged to learn how to speak and because I came from the corporate world I want to share some of these messages with corporates because really there's so much that we can do to help them to live superhuman lives. And very relevant to our listeners right now is a book you've uh, you've obviously just co-authored we've mentioned it briefly here um, it's co-authored with uh, with Andrew Sharman it's called Working Well which discusses what you need to know to live a longer happier healthier life something we all want uh, what tips can you give to help our listeners to uh, to work well? Yeah, so this book is really, if you like, a, a very a light version of the beat model. Um, I'm, I'm developing the book around the beat model, which is quite a beast in itself. But I wanted to get something out which was very digestible, very easy and a big market that people can read it. So it's 100 or so pages. It starts with self. OK, a lot of corporate well-being is trying to put in all these great systems and these all have their place. But let's bring the power back to the individual. And so this book will take people through five chapters very simply on the important, the, probably the five most important things when it comes to your well-being. And we've already touched upon one. The first chapter is all about sleep and optimising your sleep, breathing, optimising your breathing, how you feed your body. So what you put into your body and mind is so crucially important. And I would say be mindful of your inputs, okay? Around work especially, there are, you know, you've got those kind of, negative people around work but then you've got those super positive people spend more time with those positive people drown out the the noise of all the other people if you can put headphones on I used to put headphones on sometimes even when there was nothing playing just to kind of tell people I'm not I'm not here to engage right now take those distractions away because we're getting interrupted all the time whether it's email whether it's text messages put all those things aside focus on the work that you need to do Fantastic. Thank you for that, Harry. I have to say, there's a lot of our listeners out there, particularly at the management level, who will be familiar with the ILM, uh, the Institute of Leadership and Management. And if you haven't been sold on this book yet, this is what Phil James, chief executive of the Institute of Leadership and Management, had to say about the book. He said, it's time we took ourselves, that is our minds and bodies, more seriously. 
working well asks us to do just that. I don't think it's about statistics or surveys. It's personal. It starts with you. Read this book, crease its pages, wear it out, share it, and most of all, take action. Do something different and start working well today. I mentioned that because the ILM is an institute that a lot of our payroll and HR managers will be part of, and it's quite a well and respected institute. And I think if the chief executive is commenting on a book like that, it's probably worth taking note. So just to finish, Harry, one last question for all of our listeners at the moment. You're a big believer in making individuals become superhuman. What's the one key tip you can give to help everyone become superhuman? But you've got to look after yourself more, okay? BMW, breathing, movement, water. BMW. Just think that. Have I breathed well today? Have I breathed deep into my belly? Most people are breathing into their chest even right now as they listen to this uh, podcast. That creates more stress in the system. So breathe well, move often and hydrate. You and I have had lots of discussions about this, but most people are chronically dehydrated. So BMW, simple, not sexy. It's not an app. Just BMW. Breathe, move and drink water. And also check out the books. Harry is directly out of me because uh, we've had many discussions on the fact that I live on a, a hydration diet of coffee alone and try, barely drink any type of water. I probably drink more now when I'm with Harry than I do at any other time. Okay, moving to the final section, some quick fire questions. Uh, we call this section The Vault. Entering the Vault. One piece of advice you would give to someone working in payroll right now. Learn to love what you do. Learn to find passion or purpose within something that you do within that role, that job, that position. Fantastic. If you had the power of foresight and could change the 9 to 5.30 office-based industry with one action or improvement, what would that action or improvement be? I would maybe institute, where possible, what's called like a, a row culture, results-orientated workplace. And also, if the leadership aren't doing it, if you say to people, right, you should leave your desk for an hour at lunch but then the leader is sitting there having his sandwich, doing his emails, it's not going to work. Personally, I would love to get more airtime, I guess, with CEOs and top-level executives so that they can then really get bought into this idea and, uh, and be the change they want to see in their employees. Change starts from the top, essentially. Great. Who motivates you and why? I guess my better self motivates me. We have different sides to us. And I, like everybody else, has that side where you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, it's another half an hour, that part of you. But the, the motivating voice is, is the other voice that I've cultivated to speak up a bit louder and to say, look, you know what, get up and you exercise, you do this thing, you're going to feel so much better later. And you know what, if you're still tired, I'll give you a little nap. So myself motivates me. I also have external motivations. You know, I, I'm a big fan of watching things and listening to great speakers, but they come and go. Um, the voice in our heads tends to stay there and you know we all have that so we're not crazy if we've got a bit of a voice in our heads so don't worry about that essentially the angel on your shoulder over the devil key takeaway if you forget everything else in this podcast remember this the simplest and the most effective way to increase your productivity as well as boundless other things is sleep we know to a certain degree sleep is essential for our health our well-being our productivity imagine if you make an error and you're doing something on payroll how much is that going to cost your business not just in having to fix it later but like the actual real cost to the business if you make those errors trust me sometimes there's a time to put down the pen 
the consequences far outreach just that having that little bit of sleep. It's super important, make sure that you sleep enough, it's going to be the one, number one thing. Just like to say a huge thanks to Harry for joining us for this podcast today. I hope uh, all of our listeners have really enjoyed some of the things he's had to say. I hope uh, you can take some of his advice to help you all live a longer, happier and healthier life. I think many of us work far too hard and we could take much of his advice and be much more productive as a result. can buy The Thought Gym and Working Well, both of Harry's books, by visiting harrykalimnios.com. That's H-A-R-I-K-A-L-Y-M nios.com if you enter the code i am working well all one word that's i am working well all one word at the checkout and you can actually qualify for an exclusive uh, payroll podcast discount of 20 percent of his new book working well so that's definitely worth checking out at harrykalimnios.com in addition to that i'm very very excited to be able to offer a free book the thought gym and a free working copy of working well uh, in our competition all you need to do is like Harry's Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the thought gym. So it's the thought gym on all social media. So if you can like the thought gym on Facebook, and if you can also like the JGA recruitment Facebook page, like both of those pages to be in with a chance to win a copy of both the thought gym and working well. Thanks again, Harry, for all your time and for your amazing insights. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on board. This is the Payroll Podcast. My name is Nick Day from James Gray Associates. I look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment, specialist payroll recruiters. If you would like to feature on a future podcast, please contact us. For a wealth of world-class payroll content, please visit us at jgarecruitment.com. See you next week.